Sammy, and welcome to episode two of Hey Chef. Today, we are talking to Chef David Thomas. We discuss his signature cuisine, which he calls modern soul food, his experience on the popular Food Network series, Chopped, how his grandmother's tremendous influence led to him becoming a chef, and why he is still in Oliver today. So, let's get into it. Here is Hey Chef. Hi, Chef. Thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. So, I ate at your restaurant this weekend. All right. It was awesome. The shrimp and grits were amazing. We're good. We appreciate you coming. The uh, shrimp had awesome smoky flavor to it. The grits were nice and creamy. Um, and the sauce, I didn't really know what that was, but it was really good. Can you tell me about that? Um, the sauce is, you know, basically um, my version of a Creole cream sauce. Okay. Um, yeah, kind of simple. Um, I just wanted to make sure that we have, you know, a lot of different flavors on the plate, you know, mm. with um, when you're talking about Cajun or Louisiana-style cuisine. You know, a lot of bold flavors, and yeah. sometimes it might be a little overwhelming for some people's palates, so I wanted to have that sauce that kind of mild it out a little bit. So what is in that? Um, basically heavy cream. Mm-hmm. Um, there's garlic, you know, a bunch of my spices, um, a little salt, pepper, sugar. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, it really yeah. paired well with the grits. Good. Yeah. Good to hear that. It's awesome. So can you explain the cuisine? Well, I mean, we call it modern soul food. Um, mm-hmm. And what I mean by modern soul food is, you know, it's a way for us to look back um, as we move forward. Okay. Um, modern soul food for me is a culmination of uh, what the African diaspora has to offer and how that equates to modern-day American cuisine. Okay. So is it like a mix of cuisines, or is it just one, like, is it... They're Korean, Japanese, you know. Well, you know, listen, I'm globally influenced. Yep. Um, my focus has always been um, working with food from the African continent. Okay. And how that relates into the South and the United States. You know, so when you talk about Southern food or soul food, mm-hmm. um, you have to understand the influence from around the world. Yeah. So you can't talk about Southern food without talking about the influences of other countries and other cultures into that cuisine. So um, one might say it's a fusion cuisine, mm-hmm. um, but it's certainly been influenced by, you know, many different cultures. Okay. All right. So when you were on Chop, which I'll talk about later, uh, you talked about the importance of seeing uh, soul food as an important cuisine in the United States. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what you mean by that? Well, you know, um, you know, my journey um, has brought me to a point where I understand uh, how important food and culture are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what has happened in the United States is that um, African Americans have been pushed out of the kind of benefiting part of, you know, what food has become in this country. When I always talk about food, when I always talk about Southern food, Soul food, mm-hmm. barbecue, Cajun, Creole. Um, I always tell people that, and you have to remind them that it was all created by the hands of the enslaved. Mm-hmm. So for me, it is very important for me to be able to tell that story. Yeah. Um, I think that most African-American chefs 
rightfully or not rightfully so, have decided not to cook this style of food because people just don't respect it. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, it is one of the great cuisines of the world. Mm-hmm. It is the only true cuisine created on this continent. So we have to embrace it. And there are a lot of chefs, um, people that I revere, um, who have made a living cooking Southern food. Yeah. Um, and most of them that have gotten high regards and won awards or white chefs from the South. Yeah. Um, but very few are African-American. Mm-hmm. And that puzzles me because you're talking about a cuisine that is in our blood, mm-hmm. um, something that our ancestors created, yet we get no recognition for. Yeah. Um, and I aim to change that. Yeah, so they were the ones cooking it, like not the um, people who were enslaving them, right? Certainly. Yeah. So, but why is it important for you to uh, be cooking this style of food? Well, because, you know, it's part of my heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm classically trained, but what I love about food is expression um, and how it brings people together. And on the other side of that is telling a story. You know, I think every chef, you know, when we put together a plate of food, we have a story to tell, whether it's conscious or not. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I like to embrace and I really lean into that. So for me, you know, when I'm putting together a plate of food, I'm thinking about my ancestors. What did they eat? What foods did they cultivate? What mm-hmm. animals did they uh, work with? You know, what were they given? Um, and what did they bring from the homeland that made it into what we call this American cuisine? How can I take that put a new spin on it, still pay homage to the original, um, you know, and and just do it justice. So that's kind of, you know, where my head is at. You know, I'm always thinking about, you know, what what can I do to kind of push this cuisine forward? Yeah, yeah. So by classically trained, what do you mean? Is it like French? Well, I mean, listen, I think anytime you you hear someone say classically trained or when you think about classical training, it has to be from a French base. Yeah, that's what you think. Um, I didn't go to culinary school, Mm -hmm. um, but I worked under an incredible chef who kind of took me under his wing and showed me from cutting vegetables, becoming saucier, to butchering meat. Um, That is the classical sense of training. You have to know all different aspects of cooking um, before you can move on and to really excel in your career. So I was blessed to have that mentor, um, and I still have other mentors in my life that, you know, kind of helped me and inspire me to do um, better. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important for people to recognize that. Who is that mentor? Oh, um, Kevin Zabonik was the first one. Um, okay. I worked for him. Um, there's a catering company here in Maryland. And, um, you know, I had done some cooking before I worked for him, but nothing on the level of what, you know, I was capable of doing until I met him. Um, and I worked for him for about two years. Um, he gave me a recommendation to go... Um, work under someone else and that particular company hired me to run a kitchen um, and I just kept learning and moving and learning and moving and um, I think that's for me that was how you know I um, got my introduction into the the restaurant world into the world you know professional cooking nice so while I was at the restaurant we had a little quick chat um, you talked a little bit about uh, sustainability so what is that and what does it mean to you well, sustainability, I mean, there's a couple fronts. You know, sustainability in food um, and sustainability in the global sense or in the ecosystem. You know, for us in the restaurant, you know, we source 
probably 80 to 90% of our product comes from within the state of Maryland. Um, And we get some things from outside of that. You know, working responsibly with local farmers and local purveyors, um, only using those things that are in season, Mm -hmm. um, you know, try not to go too far out of sourcing products. Um, And then on a global sense, um, when we say sustainability is, you know, being conscious of the products that we use and then how we impact the environment. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I've heard you talk about a lot about your grandmother and how she influenced you. Can you tell me about her? Yeah. Um, she's a special lady. Um, you know, I watched her um, when I was very young. You know, this small frame, um, Blackfoot Indian um you know, just cultivating her land. Mm. You know, she had a small farm. She grew everything. She butchered her own meat. Um, I watched that from a very young age, and I saw how she maneuvered through ingredients and, you know, how she would start cooking early and continuing to cook until, you know, the food was ready. Mm. Um, It was inspiring to me. You know, I didn't, at the time, I was very young. I really wasn't interested in food, per se. Yeah. Um, because I'm a musician, that's really where my love was. Um, but once I decided to get into food, I had to go back to that. And you know, she ate off the land. Um, you know, it, it was just important to her the quality of the ingredients, and she knew where it came from. Um, and once I got into food, you know, I was I was so inspired by that that that's the direction that I wanted to go in. Um, she was this very short woman, fiery, um, you know, who knew exactly what she wanted and she didn't compromise on that. And I've been chasing her recipes to this day. What kind of dishes uh, did she make? Oh, goodness. You know, my grandma was old school. You know, she made homemade root beer. Oh, wow. She grind her own salt. Um, she made biscuits and I mean, you name it, she did it. You know, she had, um, you know, you guys probably don't know this, um, but, you know, in African-American culture, it's very common for these old cooks to have cans of grease sitting on this stove. So whether it's lard or pork fat or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she used to take that can and, you know, fry chicken in it and, you know, cook everything else with it and make her roux and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's that that sense of um, sustainability. Yeah, it's really um, sustainable. That... I like to bring into my kitchens, and you know, I'm hoping that more people embrace that way of life. Yeah. So, what kind of an impact did she have on your life? Oh, you know, um, she was, you know, first of all, she's my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, very important part of my life. Um, my family lived in Anne Arundel County, um, Maryland. And she lived in Howard County, Maryland. So mm. every Sunday we would go into Howard County because my grandfather founded the church um, in Ellicott City. Oh. So we would always, the whole family would go to the church. And then after church, we would go to her house to have dinner. Um, you know, so this was, you know, not only just a family thing, but for me personally, it was just a way for me to see somebody who was so passionate about what she did. Um, and she didn't. I can't say that she took it for granted because it just seemed, for me at the time, I just didn't know the importance of it. But she just did it. Um, There was no fuss behind it. She just did it. She fed the entire family. Um, 
and I've, I've just been in awe of that. So watching her do what she did um, without grocery stores, and yeah. it, was, um, it was just awe-inspiring to me. So that woman means a tremendous amount to me, and, you know, I'm, I'm still in awe of her to this day. Did you ever cook with her? You know, not really cook with her. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of helped. <laughs> um, you know, but more so just trying to stay out of her way. You know, where there's a little, <laughs> um, almost like a little high chair stool that sat in the corner of the kitchen right by the steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would come down the steps and I would, like, go try to go into the kitchen. She said, boy, go over there and sit down. So I would sit in that little high chair or that little stool, rather, and mm-hmm. watch her cook. Um, you know, from time to time, she'd ask me, hey, go get this. Mm-hmm. But um, not really helping her cook, but just watching her. Um, it, it was amazing to me. Mm. What kind of ingredients did she cook with and uh, grow? Oh, uh, let's see. She grew all kinds of vegetables, um, onions and garlic and wow. all kinds of herbs. Um, she grew melons. She also had... Uh, apple pear trees wow. on her property um yeah you know and then we would you know she would cook um she would you know butcher chickens and mm. you know pigs and you know all kinds of stuff so yeah her own chickens and pigs yeah mm-hmm. wow that that's awesome so when did you like exactly know that you want to be a chef because you said you uh were a musician mm-hmm. so like when was that turning point uh, well, the turning point for me was right before I got married. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I met my wife, and my wife has always been into food, and um, she's an artist, but she was, you know, doing some catering and stuff for her family and, you know, um, you know, small companies that she used to work for. And I was, at the time, working for an independent record company. So we were bringing this national artist into Baltimore, and... In his contract, his rider, we had to provide so much stuff in, you know, his green room. I was like, well, heck am I going to get all this stuff? You know, so I'd reached out to her. Um, we weren't married at the time. And she says, yeah, you know, I can do this. No problem. Mm. It was like, great. So she did it. She brought her stuff in. I was like, wow, this is great. And I still was like, hey, this is pretty lucrative. You could make money doing this. Um, and that's kind of what sparked my interest in the food again mm-hmm. as a profession. Um, you know, and then I started dabbling around with her and we created the small catering company. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, was the linchpin for me, you know. Um, and it just took me back, you know, to watching my grandmother, watching my wife, who was not my wife then, but now my mm-hmm. wife, um, watching her, you know, kind of do the same thing in the kitchen and, um. Yeah, that that's kind of what inspired me to to go into the field. So, how did you actually meet her, though? My wife. Yeah. Oh, um, she was working for a local um retailer, and okay. I was a studio musician at night, and I wasn't doing anything during the day. So I went to um look for a part time job, and I saw her in the window, and I was um, I was in love, <laughs> and I went to actually work for the store. They were creating a men's division, um, and they hired me to work in this men's department. Um, but she was the um, regional, I can't remember the, the name of it, but she was like the regional kind of um, uh, 
display merchandiser for the company. So I think she had seven or eight stores that she managed. And this particular store, because it was a brand new department, she oversaw all the logistics in terms of displays and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I saw her and that was it for me. Cool. So what steps did you take to begin to gain experience in this career? Well, um, read, um, practice. Like what books? Oh, God, there's a lot of books. Um, I mean, it all depends on, you know, what your focus is. For me, it was more so about um, ingredients, Mm -hmm. um, their uses. And then, you know, obviously there are some other chefs that you can look at and read their books to get inspiration. Um, But then I went and worked for Kevin Zabonik, and that was kind of, you know, that's what I really needed. I needed that classical sense of training where you knew how to make this. You understood all the five mother sauces. You mm-hmm. knew what you could create with them and um, how vegetables were cut and how meat was butchered. Um, that's kind of where it really, really kicked off for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, any other steps? Well, I mean, then just get out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you... You have to, you know, take the leap, you know, and say, okay, if this is what you really want to do, you need to learn. Um, There's no better way to learn than going into a kitchen. Um, You know, I cooked at home, but, um, you know, going out and cooking in a professional kitchen is really the only way you can truly learn how to work in that environment because it's a completely different animal. And um, you have to know how to maneuver in that space. So, you know, I went out and worked in other kitchens. Um, I volunteered. If somebody needed some help, I went out and, you know, helped them. Um, And then I worked for some other local restaurants in the front of the house to kind of get both worlds. You understood the back of the house and the front of the house. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's kind of where it said to me, yeah, I want to be in the back of the house. I want to create. And, yeah, that's how that's kind of how I got it done. Awesome. Were there any challenges along the way? Are you kidding? In the <laughs> restaurant businesses, no challenges? Um, yeah, you know, um, I've been blessed. I have, you know, truly been blessed where I've been um, around some really good people. Um, I haven't had it probably as hard as many have. Um, but certainly there are challenges. I mean, anytime you're in this business, you're going to be working long hours. Yeah. Um, from sun up to sundown and get up in the morning, do it all over again. Um, Sometimes you're away from your family. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when I went into the business, you know, I had um, two kids and didn't get to see them often, missed a lot of important events, you know, whether it's with their school or birthdays and things of that nature, because I was always working. Um, It's... um, you have to love this in order to do yeah. it because if you don't it'll you know it will really tear you up because if you're you are missing a lot of things outside of work so i mean that was the kind of struggles for me um obviously you know going in and you know learning the craft as you're doing it um sometimes a struggle um i've been put out of kitchens before because i just didn't know what i was doing mm-hmm. um and that's where you you have to pick yourself back up and um, go back in and say, okay, you know, I am going to improve. I'm going to do everything that I can to be, you know, a better cook. Um, 
Yeah, so th- those are the kinds of struggles that I had. Um, you know, I'm sure you'll hear stories from other people, <laughs> and some of them might be a little more horrendous than mine. Um, but I've been blessed. I've been really um, blessed to um, be supported by good people. Um, I've worked for some really great people. Um, you know, and then when I opened my own restaurants, I was, you know, um, I was fortunate enough to be around some people that, you know, would that would really, um, you know, helping me push it forward. So, so I read a little bit about your Days of Taste program mm-hmm. for third or fifth graders. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, the Days of Taste is really important. Um, you know, it's kind of something that's near and dear to me. I've always wanted to kind of help cultivate, you know, people going to the culinary field or new chefs. But what this does, um, it allows us to go into schools and teach kids about where their food comes from, um, which a lot of people just don't know, children and adults. I mean, you think about, you know, food that you eat and you think, you okay, you just go to the grocery store and buy it. But how does it get there? Yeah. Um, who's responsible for that? How much work and time goes into cultivating that product um, and then getting it to you? So... Um, it was a program that was started by Julia Childs, I think, in the 50s. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's a very, very important program, and uh, my wife and I have been involved with it, I think, for five, six years now. Um, yeah, it's a very important thing, and we're very, very happy to be a part of it. So are they excited to um, learn about that stuff? Yeah, I mean, the kids are. I mean, you know they're young. Um, you know, so we go in the first day. Um, we go in and we go through a series of tastes. So mm-hmm. um, we'll bring in some natural products like um, sometimes it's like kale or spinach. We'll bring in um, something sour, something sweet. Um, and then on the other side, we bring in these powdered um, ingredients. So um, something like citric acid, salt, sugar, cocoa powder. And we go through these series of tasting and then combining. And some of them love it. Some of them hate it, and but kids are just so enthusiastic. It's it's just amazing to watch the reactions sometimes. So um, I, I think I get more out of it than they do, um, but um, I'm just very happy to be a part of the program. Sounds fun. So we have something else in common besides uh, loving to cook. Mm. We were both on Chopped. Ah, <laughs> Chopped. Yep. So what did you think about being on the show? Hmm. Listen, you know, Chopped is, um, uh, probably, I think, their longest-running cooking competition yeah. on television. Um, and it was probably, it's one of three only shows that I would ever consider doing. Um, although I did another one for the Food Network. But, um, yeah, you know, Chopped was great. Um, I was um, very fortunate that... Um, you know, when I um, filmed for the first time, it was, uh, I had Martha Stewart as one of my judges. Yeah. Um, who else did I have? Uh, I can't remember the Mark, other one. Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy. Amanda Freitag. And Amanda Freitag. Very good. <laughs> um, fortunately, you know, I um, I did a good job. Yeah. Um, and I came out victorious. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a good experience. You know, it was my first time. Um, filming a live cooking um, uh, competition. I mean, I've done cooking competitions before, um, but it was my first time filming one. Mm-hmm. And you know the process. It is um, 
stop, start, stop, start, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. hold on. Um, it, it's a different animal. Um, but chop was good. You know, obviously, it's certainly good for your individual career. And as a restaurant owner, it's certainly good for business once the episode was aired. So, yeah, yeah you know, I was very happy. Um, I um, I owe a lot to the Food Network in that respect because they, uh, the, you know, the, the marketing behind that is just incredible. And it gives you an opportunity to be seen by a lot of people. And then people then become interested in what you do and want to come to your restaurant. So it's a very good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you did awesome on that, by the way. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. appreciate it. Did you have a favorite uh, mystery basket ingredient? Oh, God, no. I hate it all. <laughs> it was all terrible. <laughs> um, you know, um, uh, probably, probably not. No, I did, you know, the turkey. I think I had turkey. Yeah, that um, was awesome. So, I mean, I'm, I butcher a lot of, you know, poultry. So, I mean, that was kind of easy for me, and I knew it immediately what I wanted to do with it so that was probably my favorite because it was probably yeah. the least challenging yeah, that was the nicest um, one yeah, they gave yeah, you. yeah I mean I had what I uh, was it mashed potato and gravy ice cream yeah and, that was yeah um, then I had Martha Stewart's um, what'd she have um, uh, apple and butternut squash soup exactly yeah. oh man now it was tasty but then I had to recreate it and do something with it so you know yeah um, yeah I mean those are the challenging things about um, chopped um, they don't make it easy for you um, mm-hmm. And then outside of Chopped, did another show called The Bite Club. Yeah. Um, and that one was crazy because we were in <laughs> on this restaurant um, here in Baltimore. And, uh, Alma Cocina. Alma yeah. Cocina, yeah, Latina. Yeah, Alma Cocina. Yeah. Al- yeah. <laughs> um, and they had this big Mongolian grill, and we had to cook on the grill. And, yeah. I mean, trying to find the proper temperatures on this thing was this crazy. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but once again, you know, I was... Um, very blessed to, you know, have some ingredients that I'm familiar with. Um, and, and I think what what you have to do when you go into these competitions, um, obviously depending on the style of competition it is, mm-hmm. um, but like this, you got to stick to what you know. Yeah. Um, obviously you want to wow the judges and you want to make sure that you're making something good and creative, but do what you know. Yeah. Um, don't go in there trying to do something either one you've never done before yeah. or two you know that is going to take you so much time that you're going to have mm-hmm. seconds to get it all plated mm-hmm. um, and then maybe your flavors don't come together you don't make it look attractive enough you know don't do that yeah. um, and that's probably what has made me successful in these competitions that you know I don't I keep it simple Yeah. Um, I just make sure that the flavors come together mm-hmm. try to make the presentation as attractive as possible and most importantly, get it all on the plate. Yeah. Back to Chopped. Um, you mentioned that you wanted to take your wife to Africa mm-hmm. uh, with the $10,000 prize. Did you do that yet? We are scheduled to go in March. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I look forward to going. Um, I think we're going to three countries. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a friend of ours who does these culinary tours to Africa. Awesome. Um, and another good friend of ours um, who's um, a chef but does... Um, he does reenactments at Williamsburg. He's also a uh, James Beard num- award-winning um, author. Yeah. Um, so we're going with him and a couple other friends of ours to Africa in March. So, yeah, I really look forward to that. Yeah, that's, to that, looks, that sounds awesome. So what do you think of the Baltimore food scene? Well, um, Baltimore is slowly coming into its own. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I think... Baltimore hasn't gotten a lot of recognition 
One, because there's nobody here outside of, you know, um, the JBF, JBF mm-hmm. Foundation that are really recognizing, you know, Baltimore food. Um, two, you know, Baltimore is a blue collar city. Um, it's been a very, very blue collar city forever. And I think it's going to take some people who are thinking outside of the box. And then you got to have a public who is willing to accept that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people, because D.C. is becoming so expensive mm-hmm. that people are moving to Baltimore um, and then driving in or commuting into D.C., which means we have a more global-minded um, citizenry matters, citizens that move here and that really food really matters to them. So I'm thinking it'll change, you know, rather quickly now. I think next yeah. three to five years we should have um, – I'm hoping that Michelin will recognize Baltimore. Um, but I think it's really the chefs here just um, stepping outside of their comfort zone, myself included. Yeah. Um, doing stuff that is not necessarily cutting edge, um, but just different, exciting. Um, yeah, and I think that will, you know, kind of bring more focus on the Baltimore. It's slowly coming now. Um, so, yeah, I think the Baltimore food scene is moving. It's moving. Yeah. Um, just not as fast as some of the other cities. So, mm-hmm. so besides your restaurant, you have any recommendations where to go in Baltimore? Oh God, yeah. It really depends on you know what you want to eat. Um, um, you know, I know friends that run a lot of restaurants in Baltimore. So, um, for me, um, I mean, I go. My wife and I we go to uh, restaurants all the time. A good friend of mine um, runs a restaurant called Hershey's. Okay, I've um, heard of that. Great Italian food. Um, some of the best pasta in the city. Um, you have, um, what else is there? We go to, um, if you want to go to get something, you know, a little less expensive, but some great food, you can go to Ekaben. Um, mm-hmm. If you're looking for more high-end, obviously the Charleston. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can go to, uh, what is it, uh, the other places? Um, Orto is good. Um yeah, there I mean, are a lot of, you know, really interesting restaurants. Um, some of them I haven't even gotten a chance to go to yet just because of my schedule. But um, yeah. there are a lot of great restaurants in Baltimore, and more of them are popping up. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Forage. I haven't mm-hmm. been there yet, um, but it's a place that I've been wanting to go to for a long time. I just My schedule just doesn't, um, you know, uh, make it easy for me. But I plan on getting there to see you, Chris. I'm, um, I'm interning there. With Yeah? Yeah. Wow. Good for you. Yeah, it's awesome there. Yeah, uh, Chris Amendola is um, one of the most talented chefs in the city. Yeah. Um, Got a lot of respect for him, Mm -hmm. and um, I look forward to eating his food soon. It's amazing. Um, So what does your future hold, Chef? Well, um, you know, keep cooking. (laughs) Um, You know, I've got some other projects I'm working on. Working on a book proposal, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm always traveling, and uh, yeah, you know, um, you know, I'm looking at opening up another restaurant. Um, okay, we have a fast casual concept that we're putting together. Um, yeah, so it's just you know, constantly moving. You know, um, you you can't sit still. Yeah, and um, the older I get, the you know, the less time I have. So. <laughs> I'm just trying to get it all done. I've, you know, got a good support system around me, so I'm fortunate to have some good people that are 
along for the ride. Yeah. So, can you give me any advice as I began to build my own culinary career? Yeah. Um. Stay true to who you are. You know. Um. Tap into something that you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's food, then yes, make sure it's food. But within food, what inspires you? Is the art of plating or is it the art of putting flavors together? Is there something in your family's history, your lineage, your ancestry that inspires you? Make sure you bring that to the table. Okay. Um, because there's so many cooks out here. There's so many chefs out here. What distinguishes you from them? What yeah. makes you different? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a story to tell through your food? Um, I think those are the important thing. Those are the places that I like to go to eat mm-hmm. because there's something about you can tell something about that chef with every plate of food that he puts out. Yeah, good or bad, mm-hmm. you can tell. You know, you can tell where their mind is. You know, what are they thinking about when they're crafting a dish? Yeah, um, and those are the places I like to go to eat. So. I look forward to sitting at your table one day. <laughs> Thank you. Can you tell everyone where to find you? Um, chef something. Chef DKT. Underscore whatever it yeah. is. <laughs> I don't know any of that stuff. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. Um, All right. Yeah, please come check me out. All right. Thank you very much for um, coming. I appreciate you, man. Keep doing your thing. We look forward to great things from you. Thank you. You too. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode of Hey Chef. Next week, I will be back with another Baltimore chef, Jasmine Norton. She is the owner and chef of The Urban Oyster, the first female and black-owned oyster bar in Maryland. She shares with us how her family inspired her love of seafood and her entrepreneurial spirit. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HeyChefPodcast. And tell your friends about us. Our website is wypr.org forward slash programs forward slash hey dash chef. Also, we'd love to hear from you. So leave us a voicemail message with any questions or comments. Chefs you'd like us to have on the show? Recipes? Food puns? Jokes? Whatever. We will play our favorite messages on the show. Our number is 443-738-738. 5205. To see me cook, join my sister and I on Instagram at subkidscooking or subkidscooking.com as we make recipes from around the world. And check out our cookbook on Amazon called Snackcation. This podcast is brought to you by CCBC Student Life's New Media Collective, CCBC's Communication and Media Studies Department and the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. Produced by Beth Bonick and her crew of CCBC students, Ashley Metz, Eric Cox, Kalia Merritt, Yasmin Faison, Maggie Brown, Sarah Popkin, Louisa Schaffert, and Aaliyah Olmedo. Artwork by Sammy Bonick and Shannon Design. Theme music by 905 Productions. Thank you to WIPR 88.1. Baltimore's number one news talk station, and WIPR senior producer Bob White for being our studio engineer.